I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts. I'm in your favorite two black runners coming at you every single two black two. That's hard. We here today, you know, Joshua and I, we 800 meter runners, so we super excited Tell Tell for who we have on today. But without further ado, Joshua, introduce the special guest we got on the pod with us. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. This is a big one. This is a big one. Future of the sport. You're already doing this thing. So I got, I guess he ain't the future of the sport no more. The prodigy 2021 first team All-American outdoors in the 800 for NCAA. 2020 Missouri Gatorade track and field athlete of the year. A three-time state champion in Missouri twice in 800. Once in the 16-2. He can do it all in the mid-distances. Club track and field legend. legend. Michael Granville came on the podcast and hype this dude up for the 800 bro they excited for his future bro this man's the prodigy of the sport brandon miller b miller texas a&m Giggum on the podcast let's go hey, brandon go. miller how's it going <laughs> it's going good man i appreciate you guys for having me on the podcast hey as i said y'all doing something special so all right it's my honor to be on here hey man to hear that from you means a lot uh definitely like we said me and joshua grew up in that club scene so like in the club world, you're on that same level as like the Michael Granville's, like the Obi Moore legends, <laughs> the Elias Elias Gideon's. Like, what what did it feel like? What does it feel like? Do you ever see yourself as that? Like, did you know that you're on that level? Uh, no, no. I, I think <laughs> uh, I think uh, some part of me is still hasn't set in. I think that might be because I'm still running. Um, but I feel like you know, a couple years down the road, when I'm stuck, when I'm done running out have some time to reflect in on everything I achieved on the club level, so. Well, I'll say right now, just on the podcast, since we're on the topic, in 2013, I went to nationals for USATF in, in Missouri. Like you said, I was on the edge of Missouri, Illinois. And that's when I first seen you run, actually, and you ran the 1500. And I remember I was back at the hotel and we were watching on like USATF.TV when we got to watch the races for free. Come on, runner space, come on now. But yeah, we got to watch the races <laughs> on nationals for free. And uh, I seen you like, I think you won the 1500. And the reason this memory sticks to me so hard in my head is that you crossed the line. I don't know if you shushed the camera, but like you gave like, you like dog the camera, like for sure. Like you you had a mean mug face <laughs> at the camera afterwards. And I was like, wait, this guy's a beast. Then the next day, like you, you destroyed the eight and then there was like a storm. And I, we don't have to talk about my race. This dude smacked me, bro. He smacked me. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the first time I seen seen you race, and then in 2014 I seen you racing at, at Humble, mm -hmm. at Humble at the Texas JOs too. So definitely been seeing you like race through the circuit at the national level. Then to see you have that flow track thing with pro with the Prodigy stuff, that was really cool. So oh, yeah. you definitely you definitely did your thing in club track. You really you really got it done for sure. Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. <laughs> But other than that too, like you're you're all grown up now, and that's what's dope. Like I'm always I'm always rooting for people that you see them running these fast times at such a young age. And you had an amazing uh, amazing season last mm -hmm. year, and we're super excited to see what you're gonna do this year. And you started off the you're starting off the year right. Like you just ran yesterday, ran a 147 to beat out big names like 
Craig Ingles, you, you killed that 600, running 115. How you feel about where you're at and the shape you're in right now? Uh, I feel pretty good, man. I feel like we're in a good spot um, after the first two races. It really gives me and my coach flexibility on what we want to run throughout the season. Mm -hmm. um, because the thing about indoors in the NCAAs, it's all about time. You know, you want to get one of those top 16 marks to make it to nationals. So right now, I feel like I'm in a good position to, you know, if I want to run a mile, I can run a mile. If I want to run another 600, I can run another 600 without having to stress about always running an 800 to try to get that qualifying time each week. Yeah, when you just talked about flexibility in races, I just immediately I was thinking about a thing running that 437. You going to go out there and run a mile too? That's what you're thinking about? I might. I might, man. I might. It's, it's been on my mind. Me and my coach have been talking about it. Um, that's something I, you know, I grew up doing a 1500. Yeah. So uh, I feel like a mile as well within the range of outcomes that I could run at a given meet. So it, it's all about uh, talking to my coach and um, really, you know, just sitting down, having that conversation and figuring out what we're going to do the upcoming meet. So yeah, also, for sure. I would love to see that. Also looking at like um, just progression, like from last year, I remember last year you're opening up more around like 150. 149 um what do you think got you to like got you to 147 to be like just a little bit more i don't know if it's a, if you're stronger or if you're sharper what is it that you think is getting you like faster times earlier on this year i really think it, it was my i should say my experience indoors before this year uh i never ran indoors other than my senior year of high school and we all know what happened in 2020 with COVID. so it was you know, a real big learning experience last year on like how to run indoors because I don't care what nobody says, indoors is so much more different from outdoors. So um, being able to learn how to run the races and run fast in the races was something I had to learn last year. And uh, I'm just applying the knowledge this year, so. Yeah, for sure. And now Aaron was mentioning earlier, like you you did beat some big names to beat out Craig Angles, like a charging Craig Angles on your back, like that last 200 <laughs> meters. Just kind of take us through that race a little bit and what was just like, that was that was a hard fought win, a hard fought win for sure. Yeah, man, I was just blessed to be in that position. It was funny because uh, he's definitely strong, man. I remember uh, going into that last lap, I looked up at the screen, I'm like, man, this dude is not... <laughs> He's, I'm not shaking this dude. So uh, at that point, I just had to, you know, stay, stay calm, stay relaxed and just uh, push it all through the finish line. So. No, you definitely did your thing. But Aaron also, oh, I've seen this earlier, but Aaron wants to acknowledge this as well. And open up 147. You, and last year, last year, you opened up at 150, closed the year with a 144. This year, 147. The sky's the limit. And before, even before this opener, you tweeted out saying, due to the fact that I believe in the abilities that God gifted me, I am breaking the collegiate record yeah. this year. Aaron loves yeah. this energy. Aaron I loves love this that. energy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Speak it. Speak it into existence. Yeah, man. As they say, man, the world belongs to the bold, man. And I feel like um, it's all about a matter of gaining, you know, uh, I, I, as I like to say, not confidence in yourself, but confidence in the abilities that God gave you. Uh, in my opinion, I feel like, you know, as followers, God doesn't want us walking around down here timid and, uh, you know, afraid because that's not the type of God he is. You know what I mean? So um, as a believer, uh, I, I know the size of the God I serve. So it's, it's really about if I know I'm going to put in the work, 
and I know the size of the God I serve. I'm going to put my dreams out there and I'm going to say it once and then I'm going to go to work and achieve it. So. Most definitely. That's, that's powerful. And I feel like I, I sense that, I sense that energy in your races. Like I was just rewatching um, NCAAs with you versus Isaiah. And it's like, mm -hmm. I love, you know, historically sometimes people might see you as like a front runner. I feel like you could do it all. Like you said, you ran the 15 and everything, but you you're going straight out there out there with him and it's just like come mm -hmm. with it's like come with me like you're not really yeah. you you never really afraid of the moment we'll talk about this more and i think that comes from like you were a star in club so when you're on that level if you believe in yourself you're gonna put it all out there and, and go for it but no 100 yeah and the transition like we always like to talk about you know how did you find the sport how did you come to it who has been like, who was like that influential person that's consistently been in your life? And if this is a separate person, who was that person that kind of introduced you into the sport of track and field? Definitely my parents. My parents put me out on the track when I was like uh, super young, just to, you know, me and my brother was out tearing up the house as kids, being bad little kids. So they put us out on the track and, uh, you know, just to get some energy off. And, um, Ever since, you know, ever since she put us on the track, I, I haven't got off, you know. Uh, but I think my parents did a great job of really not making it. I, I feel like they did a, got a great job of letting me be a kid, you know. Uh, as you guys said, I experienced, I was blessed to experience success at an early age in track and field. Um, mm -hmm. And what you see sometimes is like when people experience success at an early age for a sport, sometimes they tend to burn out. Um, but I feel like my parents did a great job of keeping me as a kid. I played three sports all the way through high school. And um, when it wasn't track season, I wasn't training for track. So, so yeah, uh, definitely my parents was the most influential part of putting me on the track. And uh, my mom was my coach all the way through uh, high school. So, yeah. When you say you played three different, like you played three different sports or so two other sports besides track and high school, like honestly, like I can definitely see it, but really just how, how you said that, like you can, you can break this record. Cause I feel like you definitely the kid on the playground that like, bruh, I can, I can shoot more. Like I can shoot better than you. Yeah, that's the basketball. That's the basket. That's the basketball. <laughs> you know? So what yeah, other two yeah. sports were you playing in high school as well? Uh, well, I played football throughout my whole childhood. You know, football, I love football. Football is probably, if I didn't do track, I'd probably be doing football, to be completely honest. Um, but I also play basketball. I feel like that's kind of where, you know, that kind of energy comes out because there's just yeah. something different about basketball. And when the lights come on in basketball, it's like you can't hide. And mm -hmm. I don't care how nice you are off the court when, you know, when you're on the court and somebody starts trash talking to you, that's when that's when you figure out what's in yourself. And then, uh, and yeah, so I feel like that, that kind of part of me comes from, you know, my background in basketball stuff. So. What was it like to, like, we grew up uh, with our dad was like our main coach. And I would say our parents too, were main influences that got us into sport and everything. What was it like having your mom as, as your coach throughout that time? Was she really tough, tough on you? Did y'all argue or was it like seamless? Uh, I won't say it was all smooth sailing. Uh, you know, I was growing up, you know, becoming a young man. And, you know, sometimes you, you step out of line and things like that. But, uh, no, my mom did a great job of separating track from home life. So, you know, uh, whenever we was at home, 
I had to be the uh, I had to be the one to bring up tracks in order for her to talk about it. You know what I mean? So she did a really mm-hmm. good job of separating, you know, being a mom from being a coach. So and uh, she also she treated me like one of the other athletes. You know, she was never harder on me than anybody else. She expected excellence from everybody on the team. So did your mom have like a whole like club team with like other kids that you were training with as well? Yeah, yeah. So we had a, a club team called Ultimate Speed Academy, and we were based yeah. in St. Louis. And we was pretty big. We had like three locations uh, throughout the city. And uh, yeah, we we ended up being pretty successful. I know they just won the club championships last year or two years ago or something like that. So it was a pretty big team. And she was one of the main coaches on there. So what was it like seeing like your parents in like that leadership position? Be- like, like straight, like you're seeing them, like you don't get to see them at work like every single day. But to see right. them like in their leader position, like in in like the club world, and how people are like respecting them, because I think we we saw our dad a lot of that, a lot of like that as well. Like if he wasn't like uh, if he wasn't the owner of the club, he was definitely involved with the business things inside of that as well. So how was yeah. it just seeing like uh, your parents in that leadership position at a young age? Uh, it, it was great. It gave me uh, um, something to chase after, pretty much. Um, as far as my mom. You know, she was a great leader on the track. My dad was really into football. He went, he, my dad coached my older brother because my older brother plays college football right now at Iowa State University. So to just see them both in their elements really inspired me. And mm-hmm. uh, when you see somebody in their element and they're doing it well, man, it's really, it, it, it's a good thing to see, especially from somebody you look up to like your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see and, coaching and- in your future, bro? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, if 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 I was to coach any sport, it'd probably be football. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I'd make a really good track coach, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> you know, um, I I have you know sometimes. Um, I feel like sometimes my mindset when it comes to working out is so different from a lot of other people's mindsets that uh-huh. sometimes you could you know maybe push somebody too hard or you know you know something like that so i don't think i'll be a good track coach so to speak but i think i'd be a great football coach you got that you got that football mind on the track just killing it. <laughs> i appreciate you know that I, mean? <laughs> I appreciate that man but also like you're saying you you have a big love for football you have this love for track you play basketball was there a moment you know within you know club track or something where you're like this is my sport i like this one and i want to focus on it more than anything else i think track was always my favorite sport to do growing up um you know just being i think that that had a lot to do with you know being exposed to au junior olympics at a young age Mm -hmm. and things like that and i i remember um what really set it apart was I remember my mom and my dad made a bet when I was 13 and the bet was like, my mom wanted me to stop playing football, but continue playing basketball and doing track. And, um, my dad wanted me to continue playing football since my dad played football on a collegiate level. And the bet was if I ran two minutes at 13, if I ran sub two, I would stop playing football. Now I didn't know anything about this bet. And I ended up running 156. So it, it kind of, you know, it, it kind of, you know, after that, I stopped playing football. So, wait, yeah. what? what is the club scene like in Missouri? Because when we grew up, the, the club scene in like LA is popping. Like we go to meets and like teams mm-hmm. be like 
singing like they're like mm-hmm. fire don't don't, don't. <laughs> like wildfire yeah like, uh-huh. we, we had legends like coco like elias like you knew who was racing like the is hot it similar links and ribs hot links and ribs at the meat chicken links oh, yeah. like Oh yeah, whole rib plate. Like got a whole rib plate at the meet. What? Oh man, when I was a kid, <laughs> as y'all said, as a kid, it was popping. It was so much talent, um, you know, just coming through the ranks and just to be able to watch people throughout Missouri. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know, like Jamison Williams, he, the wide receiver for Alabama. You know, I ran club track oh, with him. Yeah. Watching my, watching my brother um, Hassani Barr, who goes to Baylor now on uh, runs a four hundred. Just seeing people like that and just the sheer competitiveness that we had as kids, it, was, it really created an atmosphere of excellence. And, you know, uh, I'm not around it too much now uh, because I'm in college, so it might have changed. But when I was a kid, man, it, it was it was it was popping, man. It was it was a great place to be. Yeah, like saying saying like uh, like Jameson Williams and people like that, like seeing those people that you ran with and club going to do big things like how is that inspiring for you because me and Aaron have like the same experience the people that we ran with like uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Graham he now plays for the Bears and I ran club oh, yeah. track with them and stuff Dante like Dion. how is it to have like those type of experiences and see those people and like how does that inspire you like through your races and workouts and whatnot and just life uh, it, it, it inspires me because um, with somebody like Jameson or somebody like my brother um, we all used to work out together on this, you know, with my dad, because my dad was like my strength coach growing up. And um, it really inspired me be- because we all had this mindset of achieving greatness, you know what I mean? And it's really inspiring to see your brother actually achieve that. You know, uh, as I said, dreams to reality. He, he, he accomplished his dreams after talking yeah. about it so much. So um, that makes you want to push harder because you're this close to your dream, you know what I mean? So. Um, just being down there and sharing a collective struggle throughout the workouts with your brothers and then seeing seeing them succeed is is uh, uh really inspiring it makes you want to be the best version of yourself yeah and like for me i see so many people make it to like the nfl and, and things like that with track that we've trained with you know coming up like people playing on the rams and stuff and it makes me think back mm-hmm. to like you know like you said like your mom started that club our dad was like the head of our club and i'm like dang like this was like yeah. a special group of people and parents yeah. and families that were all together and that's makes me feel just like super blessed um and it kind of takes me back to about how you were mentioning about like your faith has that always been something that's been big in your life is like your parents like instill that within you too yeah, uh, when I was little, you know, I went to the Christian school um, and, um, you know, faith has always been a part of my life, but uh, I would be lying if I if I said it was always a priority. I think um, everybody has to go through our own journey of having their own walk with Christ, you know, as, you know, kids, we always grow up, but it always, um, as I said, you have to, you know, find your own walk with Christ. And that really happened for me last, last year actually um when i look back on my career and how it's went i feel like it's a testimony that i'll be able to share with a lot of people so that's dope that's dope man because i i feel like i feel like we just have very we have very similar stories bro we came up the same bro in a uh in a strong strong christian home to parents being leaders 
um but how did you keep that faith like because i know that transition to high school like you ran 149 like like eighth or was that ninth grade or ninth grade yeah ninth grade and like i feel like but did you feel pressure going into high school like having to done all this stuff in club and then immediately after your first year running so fast what was that transition yeah. like uh it was it was a major transition as i said before you know um you know as you know this saying whether it's light there's shadows and things like that so um as i experienced you know all the you know hype and all that as a kid also came with its downfalls as well so um I remember looking at YouTube videos and then looking at comments about me saying this and that, you know, doubting me and my abilities to do something that I really wanted to do. And looking at those comments, degrading you as a 12 year old, 13 year old kid, that yeah. could really do, that could really do, you know, um, that could really do, do, you know, bad things to your confidence and uh, shout out to let's run, you know, uh, <laughs> nah, but yeah, man, it was, it was really, it was, you know, looking at those comments, it was hard. So now you find yourself in a position where you're trying to, you know, prove yourself to other people at such a young age. So when I entered high school, I was blessed to hit 149 as a freshman. And, um, you know, I was riding high on that. I was riding high. And then um, I was able to hit 149 as a sophomore as well. And, you know, when you're at this point, um, sometimes you kind of, which I feel like happens to a lot of people, sometimes you f lose sight of what got you there. And sometimes pride sets in. Uh, sometimes you don't have a real big sense of humility. Uh, and sometimes you need to be humble. So my junior year came out and I tore my hamstring. I was trying to run the 200. I tore my hamstring. So I was out my whole junior year. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work back. I'm going to work back to get back to, you know, where I was before my injury because I was out for like four months. It was a, it was a bad tear. It was like off the bone. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm working back. I'm working back. I went to physical therapy for like every day for like four months. And then my senior year comes and I get a couple of indoor races because I figured I need to do some indoor before uh, my first freshman year of college and then COVID hits, right? So it's kind of just like, I'm sitting here with really only two years of high school running and um, you, you you see these comments and you go into high school running 149 and then you leave high school running 149 and then everybody labels you as a bust, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's kind of just like, you know, um, it was kind of hard in, in that period of time you know, look at these comments, look at these people. And then sometimes it would creep into your mind. Well, well, what, if, what, if, what, if, what if these people are right? You know what I mean? But it wasn't until I got to A&M and I really started getting into my faith that I, that I knew God was forming me and, you know, shaping me to be the man that I am so that I could handle the blessings that he had waiting for me. You know, we, we call that the waiting room. When God has you in the waiting room, some people aren't patient. And that could really mess up your blessing when, you know, in a matter of fact, God is just molding you into the individual he wants you to be so that you can handle the things that he's going to give you. And I feel like that's one of the big reasons I went from 149 to 144 my freshman year. You know what I mean? So. Man, yeah, it's bro. nice that we recording this on a Sunday. Tell you that. <laughs> it's nice that we recording this on a Sunday, but no, like, like facts on all that. And like, I think that's, that can be hard that's hard for like a, a a pro 26 year old to go through and read those let's run comments so forth and 
like a 15 year old to go through and read those let's run comments just imagine how that can be or just not just let's let's run do be doing that but like all any other place too you know so like it's definitely that's definitely tough and I, i just like how too like how you didn't say like you ran 149 you were blessed around 149 and that most definitely yeah. is the truth to be able to do that but you definitely did overcome that and come through on the other side of that adversity yeah i'm, I'm hyped now i'm, I'm man, i want to go uh, run, appreciate run eight that. now you feel yeah, me? yes sir yes sir let's get it man let's get it <laughs> yeah and i'm just thinking too like you gotta have that that faith and that belief in yourself that god is preparing you for greatness you know what i'm saying yeah. at all times like Cause there's going to be other situations outside outside of running that you know that temptation of doubt you know mm-hmm. is going to come to your brain and be like oh i'm not worth nothing but sometimes you know you got to get pulled into the desert you know so yeah. you can grow you know we ain't trying to oh, give you all a full facts. sermon today go check out transformation <laughs> first. <laughs> wait so aaron is this why you still believe you can round 54 in the four bro Come on, man. Stop, stop, <laughs> bro. That's 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 slight. <laughs> that's slight. Right, also, though, we we got a bunch of I don't be running like that, but me and Joshua got a bunch of bets. This man be doubting me. Like, come on, man. But <laughs> other than that, what are the so, what are the bets? What are the bets? Basically, this guy, this man said this on guy, the, Brandon, you know what this man said on the podcast? He was on like Bro, like I can run five minutes in a mile right now, right now. And granted, Aaron was fast. Aaron ran four fourteen in high school, uh, went to state and everything. He did his thing. Ooh. He hasn't been running that much though. And yeah, he was like, it was four thirteen, right but it's all good. It was four thirteen actually. <laughs> but, it's Bro, all good. but this man, he was all like, he was. We did this podcast. He was like, I can run five minutes in a mile right now, and what I'm wearing right now. And I said, all right, bro, go do it. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you do. He wouldn't go do it. You want to go do it? Ah. Then his girlfriend, his girlfriend was like, "I'll give you a hundred too, two hundred dollars on the table," and he still wouldn't do it. He's scared. Bro. You don't think like ah. he trying to control me with money? <laughs> trying to control me? With, you can say, like, control me with money. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, it's raining outside. Everything. I got all Damn, my clothes. It was sprinkling. I was like, he was setting you, you up for failure. That's, that's what you're saying. I was like, I don't have to prove myself to you, bro. Like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> No, but one more, one more too. Okay, so we watching. Uh, we were we were watching, we were watching the Colts versus the Cardinals, I think, uh-huh. and then uh, or was it the Rams versus the Cardinals? But either way, Kyler Murray was on screen. We talking about Kyler Murray fast or whatever, and then basically bought up like, man, what would Kyler Murray Murray run in a four hundred? And then Aaron was like, bro, I would be Kyler Murray in a four hundred right now. And I'm all like, what? I don't, I don't know, bro. Ooh. What do you think? Wait, hold on. Let's have this conversation real quick. Brandon, what do you mm. think Kyler Murray can run in the 400? <laughs> right now. Yeah, what oh, can he run? And I said this because this is a whole nother conversation. On another pod, we talked about football players running. And we talked to Otto about this too. Football runner, players running a 400. I was trying to say, you know, top corners and receivers could break 50. Easy. And they were like, no, mm-hmm. like... They'll probably run 55, 50, 54. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, if, if that's what y'all think that they would run Kyler Murray, he was a baseball player, bro. He probably gonna run like 54, 55. You're, if that's you're your not logic. running 54, Aaron. Aaron, you're not running 54 right now. That's just disrespectful, bro. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. They said put some respect to his name, man. He said, that's what I'm saying. It's just <laughs> it's just being disrespectful, bro. Like, come on, man. I think Kyler can hit a low 50s. I think he go 53, 52. I, I honestly think uh, 
I don't know. That's a lot. How much does he weigh? Like that's true. How much does he weigh? We got a lot of that. weight to be carrying around the track. To be honest, mm. that's what I'm saying. How much you kind of? That, that's a that's a great that's a great question. But how much do I weigh though? Google says that's a real question. Five, five, ten, two, seven. I think he hit. I think he'll hit fifty three, fifty two. Right now, I think so. Aaron, so you're running 52 right now? Yes, yes. Let's go. Come on, yeah, man. Go go? <laughs> Come on, man. It don't even matter. Right, and we saying we lined up together. This dude trying to say that that I'm gonna die. <laughs> Kyler Murray's gonna die. What are you talking about, bro? Kyler Murray I'm gonna is gonna die. die. Kyler is. Kyler gonna Murray die. is gonna die, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. Kyler, like you gonna be so far ahead. He gonna be so far ahead of you though. He's going to be so far ahead of you. Ooh. You ain't getting out like he getting out. That's facts. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You're running I know 60, how to, 60, 70 miles, bro. You ain't. Come on, bro. Bro, I know how to. First 200. I know how to. I know how to race. He doesn't. That's all you need to know. That's, that's true. That's true. That experience. That experience does. It does wonders. Ooh. It does wonders we, for sure. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, come on, man. We way off topic now. <laughs> we really are, though. We really are. <laughs> Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. We just having fun. Uh, speaking about Kyler Murray, you going to Texas A&M? Uh, what, what, what was oh, yeah. that? Uh, what was what went into that decision? Had those, like you said, you felt like you only ran two years of high school, and but now you're at 800. You like what went into that decision to go to Texas A&M? Uh, I, I think it was seeing. First of all, you know, I remember my mom talking to somebody. Um, when she was asking about what school should I be able to look, you know, look to for college as far as 800. And the dude told her to, you know, go and look at the last 10 NCAA championships and see who consistently had people in the finals. And, you know, just you see the greatness that AM has produced in the 800 over the past years with, you know, Donovan Brazier, Devin Dix and Carlton Orange. Hector Hernandez, you got Sammy Watson, Jasmine Frey, you know, and I can go on and on. And uh, I just wanted to be a part of that, you know, and Coach Mallard, when he reached out and then when he came in on a home visit, it was like, it was like he was family. It was so smooth. And um, when you're going through the college process, you know, you're going to have a better relationship with some coaches over others. Mm -hmm. And his, his, I mean, my relationship with Coach Mallard just came natural. It just came real natural, and it was wasn't forced or anything. And he cared cared about me as a young man and an individual rather than just you know a track runner too. So, dang, what, I saw that both of your parents went to uh, Mizzou, Missouri. Did were you yeah. like thinking was that like a something you wanted to do potentially? Yeah, yeah. You know, at, when I was a kid, I always thought I was going to go to Mizzou. Uh, maybe to play football, run track. Uh, I thought me and my older brother was going to go to Mizzou, but I guess it just didn't work out that way. You know, when you start getting older, you start thinking for yourself a little bit. Uh, yeah. I want to explore, <laughs> explore other options. So, Yeah, but then once you get to Texas A&M, like you just talk about a little bit like the community of like, especially, well, the, the track team plus the track team then like the subsection of like 800 you like you guys making a youtube channel and like having right. that like family in your own way like is that one of the things that really sets sets AM like apart from these other schools yeah I, I think i think um just the the 
the expectation of excellence that comes from Coach Henry. You know, our head coach, he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest coaches ever uh, in the sport of track and field. So when he's been around greatness, that's what he expects out of his athletes. So um, just being around that every single day, it it does wonders on your mind. You know, you start thinking like a Hall of Famer, as you used to say. And then just being around so much talent in the 800 last year, I came in with the slowest PR. Um, I was around Devin Dixon, Carlos Norris, Alan Clay. So just being around those group of guys last year, it really pushed me in practice. You know, they really pushed me in practice. And I was able to get better and better and better training with those guys every single day. And again, man, we're, I, I like to think that we probably we are probably the most fun 800 group. He's probably the most fun 800 group in the nation last year, probably the most fun this year. That's why, you know, we had a collection of personalities. When you have a Devin Dixon, a Carlton Orange, an Alan Clay, a Caden Norris, you add in a, a thing, a Dominique Mustin, and et cetera, et cetera. You just get so many different personalities, and we all just mesh so well. And it just makes practice a really really fun environment now that's definitely needed too for 800 group because like <laughs> hey, hey we work out be hard it's like come hard. on man that be that stuff be hard so to have like that group together definitely is a big big plus and then starting the youtube channel what was like that what, whose thought process was that and like kind of like kind of like broadcasting like we 800 you this is what we about and like showing people uh the, the fun that comes with running 800 in a way. I, I think, I think uh, we always thought of ourselves as 800U. So it was kind of just like a thing that we could get behind and just show people our personality, show people what we were like off the track, show people what we do for workouts sometimes. And uh, yeah, I mean, we were so inconsistent last year <laughs> as far as putting up videos, but uh, I think we're getting, we're put out a video this year we we got some more on the way so we're going to try to be more consistent but uh yeah just just having the opportunity to show other people who we are off the track i think that was the main motivation for starting the youtube channel also coming into your freshman year you know you had that that covid period um in your senior year of high school how Mm -hmm. were you healthy finally coming into that first season and then what was like the hardest hardest about the transition from high school to college for you? Uh, Yeah, I was healthy going into college. I would say the hardest part of going from high school to college track is um, when you have, if you're not really comfortable with people running around you, you have to be comfortable with people running around you because when you get to college, everybody is good. Everybody's like that. Everybody's a dog. You know what I mean? And um, also, the the schedule just running for that period of time as I said I had never ran track all year round until my freshman year of college and going from September to June you know that was an adjustment that I had to make and you know just that much time commitment to one thing and then plus you add in school on top of that for you know x amount of months and then you add in travel with school and it's just all you know just figuring out figuring out how to manage your time in the most efficient way so you can be the most successful on and off the track. No, most definitely. That can most definitely be a lot. But then I think what I think what possibly could have made it better for you isn't having like 
a lot of people around you in that group of 800 you especially like the freshmen mm -hmm. of like like you uh like you a thing and like dominique are like all the same year and like having these people going through like the same experiences and i feel like we would be dismissed on the podcast if we didn't ask you about like a thing mo like you being mm -hmm. what have you learned like kind of from her just being like a teammate and a friend of her like seeing her work out on see her work out on the track and then seeing her a friend like how has it been uh what have you learned from a thing just from the time being with her uh i always tell her this man a thing has inspired me in ways that she cannot understand um the type of hard worker she is i remember last year there's a period of time where i remember after work i was just on the i was just on the ground i was just on the ground just completely dead and I look up at a thing and she's just completing the reps. I'm just like, man, this girl does not die on these workouts. <laughs> and it showed them the track, you know what I mean? So just the type of hard worker she is, but really just the type of person she is. You would never know that she's an Olympic champion, two-time Olympic champion, I should say. And uh, I just think I just think that just it's a, a testament to her character and just the type of person that she really is. Yeah, and it's like yeah, crazy yeah. too because we were thinking like y'all have have similar paths too, to where it's like mm. during the club you guys both come from club and then throughout throughout high school and club people knew who you were kind of like like prodigies and stuff and then the fact I mean you got got runner up at NCAA's we all know what she did it's just mm -hmm. yeah eight hundred you for for show y'all really, really <laughs> out. appreciate that man we we're trying to make it. A staple this year you know i feel like we got a good group of guys and i feel like good group of girls that we're really going to solidify the name this year so yeah i believe it i believe it. well you already solidified it let's be honest here let's be i honest. appreciate that thank you thank you i think so that's what i've been <laughs> trying so. to tell people but you know some people <laughs> don't want to believe me so so but uh also we want to talk about last season as well like the olympic trials right going mm -hmm. first time at the olympic trials just how was that experience and what was what's one of the biggest things you learned from that? Ah, oh, man, it was it was crazy, man. Just being it was one of those moments where I would watch all these people on TV, you know, growing up and this and that, you know, you like you watch Clayton Murphy run at 2016. You see him get third in the Olympics and whatnot. And then you're in a heat against him four years, yeah. uh, four years later, five years later. You're like, OK. You know, this is crazy. Uh, but I would say the biggest thing I learned is um, I like to say this, that but I belong. You know, um, I feel like every runner has this coming of age moment where or every athlete where they realize that they be, that this is their time, that they belong. And I feel like that happened for me at trials in semis. And um, when I didn't make it to the finals, I remember just standing there just like, like, man, I was, I was, I was hurt, you know what I mean? Because, you know, as an athlete, you always want to succeed, but it doesn't quite go that way all the time. But after reflecting on the race, I'm like, man, I, I, I could have, I could have beat those dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the reasons going back to why I tweeted that out, because now it's that newfound confidence that I'm able to do what I set my mind to and um, that I'm able to run with these people and uh, that I, that they're, you know, I am, I can compete, I should say. And I will compete yeah. with these dudes. Most definitely, bro. I love that. I feel I feel the same way sometimes when we and Josh will be doing some of the stuff with two black runners and running report, mm -hmm. you know, you get a one oh, offer yeah. to do something or brought out 
like I even just remember just applying to jobs, you know, getting just mm -hmm. getting an interview, getting turned down, and just like, dang, like they even just called me in. Like I, I must right. be nice. But I also right. want to hear about like when you won, when you won SECs, and then getting uh, runner at runner up at NCAA's. Because when you won SECs, was that your first time running like one forty one forty five? I believe. Yeah. What was that? What was that feeling like? Because that was like a huge, a huge PR. Yeah, yeah, that um, outdoors last year was a blur, man. It was. It started off. I remember it started off uh, coming off of indoors. Didn't make nationals indoors. Went to outdoors. First race got third. Me and Devin Dixon, uh, we, went, we had a dual meet at the University of Texas, and they got one, two. We got three, four. You know, anything about the rivalry of A and M in Texas, it's like, oh, we just lost to UT. Um, but my coach. Uh, came up to me coach Henry came up to me and he was like you could be great but you can't be afraid to fail right uh, I feel like that's a big thing for a lot of people a lot of people are afraid to fail so after that is when I really started seeing my time drop so I ran 150 at that meet next meet I ran 148.1 the next week the next week I come out at Baylor around 147.3 I uh, take a week off take a couple of weeks off and the SECs I run 146 in the prelims and then 145 in the finals and that was that was a blur to me um kind of just like looking back on the race we went through at 53 and um just being able to you know set myself up to make a move down that back stretch and apply my kick on the last 200 I remember coming down the final stretch and I was like sprinting so hard that everything was like going up and down so I couldn't really see nothing and then I just leaned because I saw 145. And so I just leaned my hardest. And just to see 145 hit the clock, it was just like, wow. Like, I, you know, I was blessed to run that time. And just seeing the time like that on the screen, it was just like, oh, my goodness. And then um, next week, uh, Isaiah DeWitt comes in town for regionals. And um, I remember we're battling down the home stretch in regionals. And. Uh, I got everybody says I, I dove across the line. I did not dive across the line. I, I leaned and I fell. I fell. <laughs> uh, but just, but just having that battle with the dude, just having that battle with him, uh, it, it, it was really good because it, it brought out both of our hearts in that moment. And, um, I was able to PR off of that too. And then going into nationals, you know, uh, prelims, I was the ninth person to make it in finals. He was the eighth person to make it in finals. I think we were so fixated on each other and the prelims that we forgot the bigger mm -hmm. picture and that we there were there were other people in the race. So when we got to finals, it's all about, you know, just just running my own race. And um, with him in the race, I was able to PR as well. Uh, he won. I got second. And yeah, just the whole thing was a blur. But just seeing those fast times hit the clock, it was just it was it was pretty amazing. All of those races like you and Isaiah were my two of the favorite 800 meter runners. <laughs> to watch last year i mean every time y'all uh, race y'all battled but like y'all also y'all y'all bring it you know y'all dare everybody yeah. to come with you and sometimes too we think back to like club and that's just how you kind of taught to run the that's how you're taught to run the 800 too mm. so it was super super fun to to watch for sure oh yeah man i really appreciate that man that dude's a warrior man he uh what he did at the trials was really in the finals man he 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 you know, he betted on himself. I feel like we got to get to a point where everybody's comfortable with betting on yourself, you know, um, and he, he deserved everything that came to him. So. 
Yeah, yeah. It was crazy seeing y'all race last year, but it's going to be crazy this year. And I know your focus definitely NCAAs right now, indoors and outdoors and all that. But really, the U.S. and the 800 is is dangerous right now. Like yeah. Isaiah Harris, Donovan Brazier, Clayton mm-hmm. Murphy, Brandon Kidder, Brandon Miller, Isaiah yeah, Jewett. Like, there's so many people in the running trying to get those three spots to the world championships and everybody's going to try and like get there but even just to be competitive in that field just how do you feel about the state of the 800 right now and being involved with such of these 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 elite guys trying to mm-hmm. make their name on the world stage i feel like you know it's it's great to be a part of something like this you know uh you know as you always see the 100 always got so many guys that are competitive, you know what I mean? The 200s got so many. And then, you know, in, past, in the past, there's only been a couple of 800 runners. But now, as the 800s tra- starting to get a little bit more popular in the sport of track and field, just to see all these people coming together and making it so athletic. And I feel like uh, a great part of it is a lot of these runners that are really competitive are Black, you know, are, are, are yeah. young Black men. And, you know, the 800, you know, um, as a kid, nobody wants to run the A on it. A lot of black people want uh want to be sprinters and stuff. So just so just to see uh black men and black women, you know, thriving in a distance like the 800 is really inspiring. And again, it's just it, it just brings out your competitive nature, you know. Um just again, just to be a part of a incredible field and going to battle with these guys is it's gonna be really fun. It's gonna be really, really fun. And that's another thing that stands out about. 800 you you know like y'all team y'all have a a bunch of like black men and black women really leading the way in the middle distance and that's why i love to see like um i love to see you run the mile i love to see a thing run a mile because a lot of times you know people try to be like oh like you know they they don't have strength they sprint too much yada 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 and all this but it's just like you come from the 15 like you, yeah you know what that you know what that's about so you you oh, yeah. be ready for it yes sir yes sir for sure wait are, are you still doing are you doing long runs at all or like how i'm just like how much mileage do you be doing a week uh i'm not i'm not sure i think we hit about 35 maybe 30 35 not too much but enough to mm-hmm. where we can be competitive in a mile if we really want to you know what i mean um I feel like uh, when you're recruited to come to the 800 for Texas A&M, they love runners. You know what I mean? Somebody that can run the 400, 800, and the 15. But the four, the four by four is a really big part of A&M. Yeah. Uh, So just to be able to have the ability to come down and run the four by four is something that we also take into account with our training and our speed work and things like that. So. Yeah, most definitely. No, y'all four by four are always nice, bro. Right? Always, <laughs> always. Great battles with the four by four in Texas and for sure. And then as we start closing out on the podcast, we want to ask you a few questions and get to sure. some deeper stuff at as well towards the end. But first, I, I want to come to this one first right here. Like, wait, you're a Bills fan? Like, wait, hold on, bro. Yes, wait, sir. Wait, yes, sir. Hold on, hold on. Josh Allen, Stephon yes, Diggs. Like, yes, what's going? How did that? How did that end up happening? Uh, when I was seventh grade, I would say uh, 
I was watching, I think it was my first year in fantasy football. Me and my friends got together and played fantasy football. And I had a quarterback on my, me, on my team named Tyrod Taylor, and I couldn't yeah. stop watching him. And at the time, he played for the Bills. And just watching him every week, it made me fall in love with the team. So I've been a Bills fan with so when he left, I just stayed a Bills fan. So I've been with the Bills since I was like, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old. And man, it has been rocky, I should say. It has been rocky. <laughs> uh, but now we're starting to come around. And yeah, I think I think we got a good shot at the Super Bowl this year. If we, if we play like we did last night. Yeah, you got to play like you did last night, for sure. That's the most definitely. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Real. No, the Bills good, though. The Bills good. The Bills good. They they look you did Tyrod Taylor dirty, and uh, they did, bro. And with the Chargers, Justin Herbert's nice, though, but I'm all like, they did do this man dirty. Yeah, it's just like something happens, and then the the second string comes in, and it's just like... Yeah, yeah. Like when when I heard about the thing with his lung, somebody punctured his lung. That's like, what I'm yeah, saying. They, they doing my man's dirty. They, they doing my man's dirty. <laughs> like, what? How did that even happen? And and now, want to ask you this one too. Uh, what's some of your favorite memories from club track? If that's like off, like running the races or from practice or just chilling at the meet. What have been some of your favorite memories from club track when you were a kid? I would just say meeting all the new people. Uh, I was able to meet a bunch of new people and just taking pictures, you know, taking pictures with a lot of people. So I think that was pretty cool. Uh, as a 12 year old signing an autograph, it's just like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. That's wild. I was, I was, I was blessed to be able to do that. And uh, just being able to travel to different parts of the country to be able to compete. I'm also curious, like, are there any, do you have like a list of favorite 800 meter runners or were there any like runners that you really looked up to you, looked up to as you were coming up? Oh yeah, uh, his name was CJ Jones. He ran track at, uh, he's from St. Louis and he went to Texas Tech, but he's like my big brother. Um, not by blood, but blood could make us any closer. And he's Wait, about six. Uh, no, his name is Charles Jones. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. And uh, blood can make us any closer. And just seeing him go out there and break all the records uh, before I did, it was just very inspiring to see. He's six years older than me. He runs with uh, District Track Club right now for Under Armour. So, uh, yeah, man, he, he inspired me to keep going in the 800 as I was growing up. Oh, that's dope. Shout out yeah. District Track Club. Wait, he went to Texas we... Tech? Yeah, he went to Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, we had him on the podcast. That's eh? what I'm saying. With this mm-hmm. track club with Edos and Quamel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most definitely no. did. Did we though? We have Vincent from from Texas Tech, but I don't know. Oh if had... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Vincent was his right. teammate. I think they was like a little duo for a couple of years. So yeah, I know who you're talking about though. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Then we always like to ask this question to people that we have on the podcast: Who should we have next, bro? Sometimes we don't be knowing who to put on, who to Ooh. get next on the podcast. But who do you think would be great to come on that would fit the mold? for the two black runners podcast oh that's a great question i think i think um carlton and, and devin would give you guys a really funny show to be completely honest not just one or the other but both of them together they're, they're uh-huh. just a, they're just a really really funny duo and i think they would give y'all a great show i like that carlton orange yeah. and devin dixon because yeah, they show they're like best friends and their personalities are so different, but they mesh so well and they're just super funny, so. 
Yeah, most definitely. We may have to look into that for sure. And then yeah. with Devin with Brooks Beast as well. Yeah, they got. Yeah, some... they starting to get stacked, man. They got starting to get a lot of talent over there. Saying, that's what Aaron was saying. I was telling Joshua, like, that's the best MD. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Harris now. It's like, yo, they doing something. They doing something they, for sure. And they got the brothers. They got the brothers too, bro. Yeah, they that's sure do. They sure do. <laughs> they sure <laughs> like, do. Come on, man. Yeah, now nah, they're doing something special over there for sure. Yeah. And as we get to the end of the podcast as well, I think uh, we have to ask as well, just like um, last week, the passing of Dion Lindor just mm-hmm. tragically in that in that car crash and I believe he was like volunteering coaching at Texas mm-hmm. A&M just how is the team doing right now and with like you guys having the Ted Nelson Invitational as well mm-hmm. just how was how has it been this past week just mourning that kind of loss for uh, such a great athlete and I believe such a great coach for you yeah um it's been hard we uh this past month has been hard. Before Christmas, we lost uh, a teammate named Chance Gibson. He um, he was also involved in a car accident, and he was a freshman on the team. And then, you know, you mourn for him and his family, and then Dion happens. It's crazy because the night he died, he was at practice that day. So we was all talking. Man. And, and this and that. And then we get, I get a text, I pull up to the grocery store and I get a text from um, one of our coordinators saying that he passed and I was just in shock. And um, it, it's just hard, man. It's really hard for the team right now. We're just trying to sort through it and, you know, continue on competing when you lose somebody like those two people. And, um, but one thing Dion always did, he's like, I remember talking to him about the Bowerman and um, that's one of my things, you know, I really want to get the Bowerman for him because uh, you know, he was a former Bowerman winner and he always, you know, believed in me. And when he saw I was on a watch list, he, you know, he reached out to me. And then after my 144, he reached out to me and uh, he was just a very, very uh, kind person. And yeah, I know he's in a better place right now, just looking all over all of us. So definitely our condolences like to lose, Two, two, like a coach and a teammate in the same year has to be so tough. And then after to continue on. So condolences to both of those, both of those families. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, y'all. Appreciate it. Yeah, prayers definitely coming to y'all ways for sure. And then as we close out the podcast, we always leave our last question to all our guests. It's kind of deep, but something that we like talking about, like what Mark and I know your your uh, track and running journey still early, but what mark right now would you want to leave on the sport once you hang up the spikes and you're all done with with running? Uh, I just want to be an inspiration to people, man. You know, uh, as y'all know, I'm I'm only five foot seven. I'm not the tallest dude at all, you know. But it's just, you know, I want to be an inspiration to people that you can do it too. You know, I want to, uh, you know, with God you could do anything. You know, I, I, I just want to, you know, be an inspiration um, that like if you go out there and you perform, you know, with heart and, you know, with desire and with the will to win that you can achieve anything that you want. And then if you got your priorities straight, you got God, number one, and then your priorities line up, man, there's nothing that you can't achieve and that you should have this unwavering fire within you and uh, this belief in the abilities that God gave you. So. I just want to be an inspiration. Man, I love, I love it, man. I love it. Appreciate bro. I that. really appreciate do that. appreciate you coming on the podcast, 
speaking a message, bro. This this Sunday coming out on the Tuesday, <laughs> really spoke a message on this Sunday. Like I really do think, like I don't think this would be the last time that we interview you. I'm pretty sure we'll see yes, you sir. at a meet or another time on the podcast for sure. And yeah, bro, we're super hyped for you this season. What you gonna do in indoor? What you gonna do in outdoor? And just in life, bro. Like we've been watching you for a minute, so we excited. We definitely excited to see what you're gonna do next, bro. Good luck on this rest of the season, bro. Good luck. Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all. I'm, 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 you know, ready to see all the success that y'all have coming to y'all too, man. Y'all get, y'all go be big, man. I could just see it. I could just see the drive and the, uh, the fire within both of y'all, man. And I'm just excited to see where y'all gonna be and y'all gonna be the biggest podcast there is, man, for sure. Hey, let them know. Yeah, yes, let sir. them know. <laughs> Aaron, you got anything else to say before we close? We get out of here. That's most definitely the goal to be the biggest and the best to be yes sir be straight so i love that i love that energy i love that we could share some of that share some of that energy you have together and co- and converse but to everyone uh listening really appreciate y'all taking out the time to listen to two black runners podcast and if you listen this far you truly are a day one homie brandon can't wait to have you again appreciate you. uh see y'all next see y'all next week on two black tuesday yes sir the two black runners Peace. Let's go, bro.